what were your first reactions on Scream 6? There's a formula to it. A very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I, I had a good time at the theater. I, I think that there was a lot of stuff that they got right. I feel like my main takeaway as I'm walking out of the theater is just how much Radio Silence is focused on taking over this franchise and really carving out the next generation of what Scream is going to be. It felt like a hard pivot compared to how legacy characters were used in five, the positioning of those legacy characters, the focus on the new characters, and the fact that you got these four surviving people. And I think the first time that they tried to kind of reboot this stuff in Scream 4, they ended up just killing everybody, except for Kirby. Uh, right. so, so it's a little hard to build you know, a new legacy that way, but I think the core four... Uh, core four. You know, <laughs> gotta love it. Gotta love it. Shout out to the core four. I think radio... This was... Uh, I think this was just like a really good turn of circumstances for Radio Silence because uh, I really think um, the reason this movie feels so different is that Nev Campbell said no and yeah. uh, didn't want to be in the movie. So all of a sudden they had to rewrite the movie and then Radio Silence did their pivot and it got them, give them a really good chance to get over. And it, it just did great. I think it really... um the the lead two characters, Jenna Ortega and Melissa Barrera, uh, the Carpenter sisters, which I didn't like last movie, which I really like now. Yeah, um, I think this movie just did re- did really well, making them the central focus of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, who cares who Neva Campbell's there, whether she's there or not? You know, that was a hundred percent correct. I feel like in this one, they successively took over this franchise. And now having the legacy characters in there are nice to have, not a need to have. And I don't feel like they necessarily accomplished that in the first one. But now I want to go, uh, first one being Scream 5. Now I want to mm-hmm. go back and watch Scream 5 after seeing Scream 6 and see if it feels a little bit different. Because that felt like the merging of two worlds. But this one really did feel like the Carpenter sisters story. And then you happen to have Gail Weathers and Kirby that had shared history, but it was still all about the Carpenter sisters and, and they had attached off to this casting. They clobbered it with this casting. They did last time too, obviously, you know, Jenna Ortega just happened to become a mega star. Yeah, I think that that helped the movie a lot. That probably got a lot of folks into theater. TikTok's going to become TikTok is going to be how you promote movies from now on. Yeah, Um, you know, I went to the I went to the uh, whatever the we the they had the uh, Jenna Ortega special features before the movie, and it was just like Jenna Ortega uh, and the rest of the cast doing stunts or whatever, (laughs) like feeling into a body bag to see what's in the body bag. Anyway, you can just tell she's just such a star. Her charisma is off the charts. You know? Oh, that's right. You went to the fan event. I was going to yeah. ask you, what else did they show? It was mostly just film? a music video and like uh, some extra content. They didn't have trailers. It was just promo stuff in the front. But we got to we got to show what you did. They did have this. They had the the screen poster, which was great. There you go. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. No BS on it. It doesn't have like the fan event logo or the AMC logo on it. It's just a just to be smart. It's cool. But uh, cool. anyway, um, yeah, I just think. Jenna Ortega and Melissa Barrera now are so over. Oh, yeah. 
And it just occurred, uh, someone was talking about this. It was like, Melissa Barrera is about to be huge. I just, I'm going to throw two things into the universe and you just picture them in your head and whatever happens, it doesn't matter. Uh, Melissa Barrera as Wonder Woman, maybe? How about mm, that? Younger Isn't woman. Isn't that a great yeah. idea? That Melissa is- Barrera as maybe like Lois Lane, maybe? Ooh, I, I can see. Uh, I mean, if we're, if, we're, if we're talking fantasy casting from the Scream fantasy 6, casting, six yeah. cast, I would take Josh Segura as the new Batman. Ooh, yeah. Which one is Josh Segura? He's the Melissa Barrera's boyfriend. Oh, it's the new Batman. Yeah, yeah. He was. Yeah. What was his name? He's just got. He's got so much going on right here. Yeah. That if you put a cowl around that, you'd get these little smirks and things that would be very cartoony. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Why is his? Uh, it has a very. Oh, Pug. His name was Pug in She Hulk. Yeah. And he was. He was great in She Hulk. That was like one of the. uh, Best parts of that show, even when he had his, uh, so he was great in this, this casting of him. I, I did not expect him in there. Uh, and Mike, we were talking, what's the other guy that, uh, he was in Spider-Man. He played Flash in Spider-Man. He was in oh, Tony Rebel, Tony, Tony Rebelori. Yeah. Wow. That was great to me. They're finding a way to reinvent the opening scene every time. And it worked right. Last time they did the opening scene where. She did survive, and that was the swerve. This time, the swerve was the killer just completely unmasked themselves, and then the killer got killed by the killer killer. And that that one, I don't know about you, but that was the in the ste- in the theater was like, whoa, what? And it just like all bets were off. And I think at that moment, it became their fully one hundred percent became their franchise. At that specific moment, that was it. It was all theirs. So really interesting. I watched uh, Radio Silence on the Dead Meat podcast earlier today, and um, they were talking about how the script gets written, then it gets kind of handed off to the Radio Silence team. So they don't really know too much about the script when they first get it. And that in the script, they, they it goes through and it treats it just like an opening kill, knife comes up. And then in the script, there's a line but it does not cut to a title. Um, and they, in that first reading of the script, were basically going through that same kind of emotion that all of us in the theater went through as we saw the killer unmasked, and then you go into this kind of like next expository sequence where we learn a bunch about him. How do you get to this point where we're talking about screen six, right? And traditionally... When horror franchises hit this moment, they're on a they're on a downward slide. I mean, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six was really good. Yeah, but I mean, but but back then, right? It was just like it was not revered like the first one is. Is this is going to be a? Do you guys think this is going to be a standalone trilogy? Because that's what it feels like to me. It it was a true. It was a requel, but it was a reboot. <laughs> Even though it was a, it was a requel, but it was a successful requel because it successfully rebooted it and added new characters new death new new emotions well it's just like you said i think that they have they have they have hijacked this series away from nev campbell they did uh courtney cox ever all the old characters the legacy characters they're done with no one wants it's like it's straight scream and creed are the, are just you know they're, no, they're, they're brothers they're just doing <laughs> the same thing just hijacking franchise away from their creators yeah 
And uh, I would I say I say Nev Campbell opening kill next movie. Let's just get rid of her. Wow. That would be, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I yeah. think if I'm Nev Campbell's agent, I'd be negotiating that. I'd be like, look, hell yeah, yeah. Opening scene kill, and that's it. My last payday, but it's huge for sure. For sure. God, it would be so I mean, oh. and it would really harken back to that original Yeah. Uh that original scream moment where you right. really actually thought Drew Barrymore was gonna be the lead in the movie. You go into the theater, all the promotional stuff is like Sydney's yeah. back, Sydney's back, this and that, this and that. She's dead in 15 minutes. Now it's a whole new world. The rub is somehow in this uh internet technology age, they have to not leak that. Yeah. Oh, good luck. Everything leaked <laughs> about this movie. <laughs> That like would. literal footage of the kill reveal was leaked <laughs> before this movie <laughs> released. What what was the uh, Marvel is is suing or or they're trying to find the people that they can sue on that MCU subreddit and they and yeah, they MCU, shut it, you saw, Marvel spoilers subreddit. Yeah, yeah, and I was reading how they got the spoiler and somehow they got the spoilers from like the Portuguese caption, and then they just and then they translated the caption and came back. So nothing. Well, they had the Google Doc. They had the Google Doc that the translators were using to translate the movie into all these different languages. Oh my god! <laughs> so you had a Google Doc that had like the that had Quantum Mania, you know, script in all different languages around the world. <laughs> anybody could read it. Yes, anybody could read that. That's but yeah, I mean it's going to be really tough to uh to keep it silent if it does happen, but I love that idea. You should be booking. You need your own studio, but that's another that's a whole another show. <laughs> Bros, what uh so you you were telling us earlier you you watched 5 right into 6, which I think that worked really well. Did you go back and watch any of the other ones or were these your only ones that you uh experienced the screams? Um <clears throat> not recently. Uh you know, we because we were letting our daughter watch them, so I'd watched the first 3 again. Okay. With her, <clears throat> I wasn't a huge fan of the fourth one, so I went ahead and just I was like, "All right, I I remember what happened, so I was like, you can watch that with your mom or something. Like that. I don't mind. Um, but with this one, I was like, well, I'm taking you to see six. I need to watch five. So I was, I was for the most part, caught up with those other ones. Um, so getting to experience five right before six was, I, I do think it helped. I probably still would have liked them the same, but it was a nice kind of like just little appetizer to go into it and then going into the, the meal of stream six. Um, you know, my daughter, I don't want to say she's easily impressed, but she's also, she's just a fan, especially of anything horror related. So I knew she was already going to like it to begin with. And yeah. plus, now that she's watched Wednesday, she loves Jenna Ortega. So it's kind of more of a just giving her more of what she likes. But we really, we both enjoyed it. We had a blast. You know, I, I don't really, I'm not a huge horror fan, um, especially in the theater. I'm not a huge horror fan, but, uh, you know, we went, I enjoyed it because, you know, Scream is horror, but it's not like horror horror. Right. There's much more extreme things, but we both enjoyed. I had a little fun. I mean, I don't want to say it was predictable, but I could kind of tell where things were about to happen. So I could always kind of just nudge her when something jumps out and give her the jump scare, which is always fun as a dad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we both enjoyed it. I really, I like the direction they're going. I don't want to bring up a false comparison, but it's almost kind of how I feel with Fast and the Furious. Like once you got to that fifth one, they kind of changed the format and it made it better going forward. And so yeah, that is I kind of hope yeah. that maybe they'll do that with this. I really enjoy this kind of pivot towards these new characters and and kind of phasing out the legacy ones. You know, as, as sad as it is to watch Dewey go away finally, you know, it's it's kind of a a necessary evil, but it, I think it helps push the story and kind of lets them 
continue the story without being beholden to what came before. You can still honor it, but you can still kind of pave your own way. Yeah. And Mike, we, we got to talk about this because you and I have, have fantasy booked this a lot. So we got to bring this up because I popped in the theater when they brought it up was the Stu tease. So we always thought, you know, mm -hmm. what if Stu didn't die? Right. And you all going all the way back to one and they never even hinted to it before, but then showing the TV and then her saying, Oh, if you believe he's dead. And then I was like, Oh man. So there was that part of me that if there was one legacy character to come back, I'd want to see it. But then Mike, you brought it up. You're like, after seeing this, I don't know if I need Stu. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I think everybody needs Stu. Like I, I take, I take more, more Stu any day of the week. It's one of the best like post kill reveal. His character is so fun. Matthew Lillard's still out there crushing it. So I would, I would never turn down Stu in a movie. Um, and, and since we talked, I've thought about it a little bit. And so I think that there's something really interesting here where it does feel like the most focused effort in that movie is really positioning Richie as this like central character amongst the killers that he's the driving force behind five happening. He's the reason that these killers go on to do something in six. So you got to think there's going to be some sort of thing that they're doing with that and positioning Richie and Richie, you know, he was a fan. He was, we saw all this fan, you know, content that he made, all this stuff that he did. And I think that that is really likely to kind of take us to this point where we do get that cult of Ghostface that was teased uh, in the original draft of uh, Scream 3. But but this is this is where my mind has gone since then. So I still think that's the case. I think the next movie, we're going to get that kind of cult of Ghostface type moment where you just have tons of killers, right? We have five killers in this movie, basically. Two yeah. of them were already like acting because they wanted to finish the movie that Richie started, right? So I think you're going to get that happening exponentially. So there's going to be this really even weirder kind of thing about what <laughs> the concept of a Ghostface will kind of come into play a little bit here. Um, but Scream doesn't really have the format of a traditional trilogy at this stage. It has the trilogy, then it has an additional add-on movie. Scream 4, to me, is part of a continuation of that original story. It's Wes Craven's last movie, so it's a very well-established four movies. The first Scream in this series is Scream 5. So what I would say is next movie we get that Richie has like cultivated and created this environment where the cult of Ghostface can come back. And then in the fourth one, that like the fourth of the second trilogy, that's when I would bring back Stu. So maybe you have a core killer in the next one of like Leslie Mocker or someone in Stu's family. And there's some direct connection to Richie. And that leads into yeah, and it's really good that the mockers were super well connected and Stu's been living in a basement somewhere for the last 30 years and no one knows, you know, that's that's where my fantasy booking kind of has gone since my original viewing. I think that's I think that's great because you imagine because real, you know, he was, you know, Matthew Lillard was younger then, but I think you can even do real time Matthew Lillard mm -hmm. now, but Locke get, get a little bit of crazy, but then he's a little got 
a little Stephen first in the unseen, you know, living in his mom's basement and like really losing it. I think that could be all scarred up and disfigured from the TV. (laughs) Yeah. I think that could be really fun. I think that could be really fun. Yeah. Uh, Mario, I got to ask you too, you know, because we're, we both were disappointed in Friday the 13th. Jason takes Manhattan. There wasn't enough Manhattan in Manhattan. Did Scream live up to the hype for, you know, bringing it to the big city. Well, yeah, I think it was a very strategic use of uh, how they shot it. Um, you, they, they're the radio silence or whoever is a uh, very good at, they use their exterior New York shots sparingly and in appropriate spots. We've got a lot of being in apartments, uh, New York apartments kind of vibe, you yep. know, mm-hmm. it's just shot smarter. It probably, you know what I mean? Uh, Jason takes Manhattan. It was, uh, I don't I, it was just a, a different time. But that sequence, there's two sequences that really sell New York. There's uh, the ladder across the, the two buildings. Oh, yeah. That was a big one. Which is, like, huge. And then the subway. Subway sells yeah. New York like no other. Yeah. You know? And um, I think it totally worked. It felt like New York. That subway scene was And rough. even what's what's the name of the, the neighbor, the hot neighbor? <laughs> a pug. I don't pug. know. <laughs> well, he's pug. Pug. Pug just feels like so New York neighbor. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's such a totally. good dude. He's such a good dude in the end, you know? Yeah, thought, that was that a good swerve. I thought the corner store um, was a, a nice little section, oh, too. Very true. Um, but I will, I will say, with the subways specifically, I had such a great time with that. A, because I've been in New York and I've been on the subway, like, you know, many people have. My daughter was coming from it just not really knowing what was going on. But what I loved, and it, it kind of, it's a different fandom, but. Watching that subway sequence happen, for me, I'm sitting here and I'm experiencing, I'm watching her experience it the same way I did. There is a hugely popular episode of Doctor Who that deals with these things called the Weeping Angels. And they do that. They can only move when you're not seeing them. So when you blink, they can move. And there's some great shots that almost mirror that to where in the show Doctor Who, when you blink, the weeping angel gets closer and closer as it's coming towards you and trying to attack you. And so I was watching that happen with my daughter, watching her see the, you know, the lights going out and he's a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And I was having my own little Doctor Who moment with her, watching her get freaked out by that. (laughs) That's terrifying. If anyone who's ever had the, uh, the sleep paralysis, which I've had, that weeping, I didn't know there was something about weeping angels in Doctor Who. I might have to watch that episode <laughs> and go back because that's terrifying. Did you guys feel like they made a very conscious effort to make the kills and everything seem more violent? Like every, like the knife stabs had a lot more thuds. That shotgun had to be the most violent shotgun ever. I think so. I think so. But look, this is the age we're living in. This is what... This is why Terrifier 2 was so over because it's so brutally yeah. violent. It was a different it was a different feeling for people. And uh you know, we've just lived through the end of the world twice in the last few years or something like that, you know. That type of thing is what people I'm, I'm sorry, people are just ready for. Yeah. You need to you need to push it on on the violence now. It can't be funny violence. Well, and Radio Silence was talking about this in particular as well and what they were saying was you know, you're coming to a screen movie, you're going to be suspending disbelief in so many different ways to allow that narrative to exist. Why not allow the violence to be violent and not question the reality behind it? Yeah. yeah. Well, how did you guys feel about the fact that folks in this movie, it seemed like our our heroes get stabbed more, but still live? 
you know, all, all of our all of our heroes got stabbed quite a bit. Yeah, they lived. General Gadega gets stabbed a lot. She did. Well, I, so I does Chad, right? Chad, but or... you expect Chad to get stabbed a lot. Yeah, I think General Ortega, our secondary lead, you don't expect her to get stabbed right. a bunch of times in the finale and still survive. I thought she was done. I thought she was done after the scene where he said, "You got to mm-hmm. let me go." I was like, "Are they going to kill her off the franchise right now?" I thought yeah. she was done. I mean, it was a it was a strong scene. But I think like, I think I would have had less like. The only reason that I have any issue with the fact that all these people got attacked so much and none of them died is because none of them died. Like, I, they didn't even kill Gale. That felt like that should have been a kill. I needed, they killed I needed, Dewey, but not Gale? Come right? on. I need, some, I need some padding on the kill count a little bit. Can I don't mind the gratuitous violence right. if there's some outcomes. I'm from. sure the writers are kicking themselves right now if they could have swapped Gale for Dewey. If Dewey was still in the series, how over would it even be? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Dewey and General Ortega doing scenes. Come on, I, I think this. I think this movie missed a Dewey. Like I didn't miss yeah. Sydney at all, but I missed having someone that's kind of getting exposition said to them, and he's just like his face is utterly confused by everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> and he's been stabbed more than anybody. He gets yeah. like stabbed to death in every movie and survives. He was right. the he was the original sort of like end cap gurney. joke. He's still the alive. original gurney. He's still alive. He's still alive. And then they just kill him off for no reason. That was not fair. They should have killed Gale. Sorry if that's um, gonna ruffle any feathers, but I don't they think should so. have killed I think Gale. she was. I think she and was. Dewey the, should still be alive. Yeah, I think she was the right one to take out for sure. And I was mm-hmm. actually surprised. That they took the time to say, "Oh, Gail's gonna, Gail's gonna pull through." Yeah, like, well, like was that like added after the fact? It felt. I I feel it feels like there's specific decisions that they made in this movie that were based, like that are contextually based decisions. So, like, Gail lives because that subverts everyone expecting her to die because Dewey died last movie. They, like, last movie, they cast. You know, someone whose movie just before that they played a serial murderer in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, they yeah, were the killer, famous. and and the second most like famous non uh, lead in the movie was the other killer. And so the casting kind of telegraphed it a little bit. Uh, but the in this movie, you get like both of those characters, like the two kids characters. Um, I'm really glad that Dermot Mulroney's character was like there to talk because the other two just felt like goofy henchmen to me they did. a little bit. <laughs> That's a good point. They did. Feel As like most that. kids do to their parents. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's a good way to put it because, yeah, you, you expected a lot more from the I'm going to die a virgin guy. And then, and then mm-hmm. the, the slutty. Did you know that was Spider from Avatar? <laughs> didn't find that out till after the fact <laughs> it didn't look anything like spider <laughs> yeah but i did not know that so i i felt like that was a little bit at if him and his sister weren't like fully fleshed out enough especially knowing that like coming from the family of the you know richie right he, who was a huge personality i was surprised these were so subdued but you know obviously dermot Mul- mulroney was not you know he he brought it and then it made sense with all, I can see, you know, this New York cop being way more aggressive than any of the kid killers, right? He's, de- yeah. he's definitely, we're, I know, Mike, we were trying to go through and figure out 
who actually did the killing because you had three three to choose from. And right. we, you didn't think, but I thought, was he, he the dad was the ghost faced in the bodega, right? He had to be. Because yeah, that guy be. is like, you got a problem, guy? I mean, that was so New yeah. York. That guy's like, cold. Yeah. <laughs> and then the story okay. did the shotgun. That was, I was like, yeah, that had to be. the. Yeah, dad. that had to be him and the one at the uh, psychiatrist house where he stabs him through the door. Oh, yes. Eye. That was another that one. was also super violent and more along the lines of the dad. Um, and then the girl had the subway and, and Gail. And then the brother was the one in the chase scene where they faked the sister's death and then the ladder and all that stuff that had to be the guy. The funny thing, again, radio silence in this interview, they were saying that like, because somebody asked like in that scene, when Josh Zagura's character is looking through the window and he sees Ghostface just standing there behind, behind the sister talking on the phone to the dad, they were like, so like, you know, on the second viewing, we were kind of wondering, is Ghostface just sort of like standing there waiting for her to get off the phone so that they can fake her death and then go do this scene thing? Uh, and it just kind of looks like he's stalking her a little bit. And then they went down this whole thing where they were like, yeah, you know, like that's sort of like what it was. We kind of even had the notion that like while the sister was in there with her boyfriend, that the brother must have been in the closet waiting to finish, waiting for them to finish so that he could then go kill the the boyfriend when he went to the bathroom. Um, so it just gets really weird and dark and complicated when you kind of break down the details of who did what kill in this movie because it's a family unit. Right. And then obviously with, uh, what's his name? Our Roger, Roger L. Jackson, is that his name? He, who plays actual Ghostface. Uh-huh. I don't think he modifies his actions when he's like oh maybe now i'm gonna be a female or now i'm gonna be a male i think he's just ghost face the entire time he takes those weirdly wicked bumps <laughs> and then the the knife wipe like all his gimmicks are pretty much when when go face they had on. a new stunt guy they had a new stunt guy this movie oh did guy they name matt yeah yeah and that's part of this guy is a lot more physical and that's part of why Ghostface started to become a bit more violent in the movie yeah and they just let him do it they said that the stuntman, they tell the stuntman, you know, just be Ghostface. They don't tell him anything about who is playing Ghostface or any of that other kind of stuff. Yeah. It's just go be Ghostface. Because, um, like, in the older movies, it's like he just he seems more menacing in this one. Because in the old yeah. ones, you watch him, it's like running up the stairs. They throw a, pot of, a hot pot of coffee at him, and that'll, like, that, that'll deter Ghostface. But in this one, he's just, like, shotgunning people and barreling through things. Yeah. Because he's less clumsy to too. Way less clumsy. <laughs> what yeah. No frying not pan. No. Over Is this the first stream where a ghost face was not hit with a frying pan? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he gets hit yeah, with a no, frying pan. No, ghost face was hit with a frying yeah, pan. Gail hits. Gail hits. Gail hits. Gail hits. Okay, so it did get him. Okay. So it, it's a streak. Every, 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 every screen movie, ghost face gets hit with a frying pan. It's like Tangled, but with knives. <laughs> <laughs> what was the. So with the tagline in the in the uh, in the trailers was "I'm something different." What do you guys think they meant by that? Because that's why I didn't 100 percent wrap my head around. This is uh, I tell you what. This is the first Ghostface that's not a movie nerd. Maybe that's that's what he's on. I, I was hoping they were going to lean into that a little bit more with that first stinger of like fuck horror movies. Yeah, yeah. they telegraphed that, like, that at the beginning. I thought I think that's yeah, what they were trying and then they to just do. Didn't yeah, they, they didn't they really go got, hard got, on that. They got sidetracked from that. 
Yeah. Because even yeah. though he, he wasn't, you know, none of them were, were movie marks, but at the same time, it still took place in a theater. They were showing the, you know, rich costumes. Well, there's, dude, no, like... <laughs> there's, no, there's no movie monologues in this one, is there? Like, there's no uh, ghost face on the phone monologuing about movies. No, I don't think so. Oh, only Mindy. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, Mindy. Mindy did. She she lived up to uh but i'm saying in every the the the, the central the the origin of ghostface is what's your favorite scary movie yeah conversation right there's none of that because we have we do we have the whole thing at the beginning it's like who who cares about horror movies right but so i think they um, leaned into it i think they tried to make it different that that was what they were doing so not not fully into films okay i can buy that i can buy that i also I like the how thing... they used uh social media and the internet and all that stuff incorporate that into me go ahead mike oh i agree especially with uh sam's character being like you gotta you gotta imagine in the ghostface world where jill was a killer that was trying to get fame from surviving that any survivors that happen after that are going to have some level of social media frenzy going on around them um the one question that just continues to bounce around in my head though is like richie's dad so, so Richie's dad ch- is a cop that changed his name and transferred to the NYPD. That I have, I have questions about how <laughs> narratively, like what is what is the process that this family went through to transform from whatever it was they were before Richie became a killer to this like family unit that moved into New York City, changed their names pretended to be other people, pretended not to know each other, um, like, and, and, and made it really far without anybody ever figuring any of that shit out. Um, I feel like the story that they didn't tell on screen about Ghostface for this one is a little bit more compelling than the one that they, they did in terms of Ghostface, the character, the character reveal, the motive. There's so much more behind it that I would have loved to have, gotten some taste of yeah, yeah that's probably out of the out of all the films this one had the most meat to the scooby-doo reveal that we didn't get because they, mm-hmm. they had a, a lot of leaps of faith and all that like this really seemed like hatching a plan like fake lives not just we're gonna lure these people in and there's two of us there's just like all right we're like you said we're moving to another city you have to pretend this this is the role you're gonna play and not ever let that slip. So this one is fun for a second viewing. And, and B-Rose, you were talking mm-hmm. about earlier, there's horror movies that are true horror movies that you go watch, but they're an experience, but they're not really fun. Where this would, I would put in the fun, fun category, right? When we talked about if you're a Mar, if you like Scooby-Doo, you're going to like Scream. It has that same vibe because there's still a little bit of a mystery to it. So... But this one had the most pieces that had to be put together when you had that Velma moment of just like, that's why you did this. That's why you did that. And like what you said, Mike, that would have been really great to see because you saw Dermot Monroney really starting to lead into uh, a psychotic side that we only just got a little bit of it at the end. But mm-hmm. I really thought, I was like, oh, he's about to come completely unhinged and I'm here for it. First scream to have three killers. That was the other They specifically right? call out that there was one scream that had one killer. This is the first to have three. 
Yes. It's been two Te- and all and the technically, ones. technically five, even though one of them is just in the fridge and yeah. it never kills anybody. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And you wonder if, yeah, again, that w- that would be the whole backstory. Like how many people did they kill t- to get, they never even got very far. It's weird because like the whole thing with Scream is it got, it got so over because it was meta about horror movies, slasher movies specifically, right? Yep. And the first one referenced uh, all the classics, Friday the 13th, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. But now we're so deep into this series that it spawned its own movie series from within that now it references. Yeah, that's all it's referencing. It barely references Friday. It doesn't talk about Jason anymore. It talks about the Stab movies. Yeah. Jason was on in Tony Revolori's apartment when he gets home after killing, uh, after after that first, the, the opening murder, he comes back to his house and Jason takes Manhattan is on the TV. So we do get that little Easter egg. Yeah, that was, and that's obviously a perfect, perfect Easter egg for that. It would be great if you're a young actor and you get booked in screen. You're, that's it. That is the place to go. Because I, I mean, I loved Mikey Madsen in the last one. I would have loved to seen her come back for sure. But how about Melissa Barrera as Laura Croft? That's another one. Oh yeah, that's a I really think good one. She's she's about to be huge. Like I think whatever she she could be anything at this point. Yeah. I I'll, think the the rumblings for Jenna Ortega's next big thing is Beetlejuice two. Beetlejuice two with Jenna Ortega <laughs> makes perfect sense. Being Winona Ryder's daughter. Yeah. Michael Keaton comes back. Yep. Whole, whole ball of wax. She's already working with Tim. Yeah. Get Arby Plaza in there to be a to be a heel. <laughs> Did Aubrey you could be the person, the like whatever the Gina Davis character that kind of dies and yeah drives the exposition. Yeah, the possibilities <laughs> are endless. That was announced, I feel like, right after Scream's box office numbers came back, and then they announced the Beetlejuice, you know, going forward. Do you think they already had that kind of queued up? But then they're like, okay, clearly she can hold a network, sh- uh, a streaming show. Can she hold a film? And then when they saw the numbers that had a lot to do with her, they're like, okay, yep, that's, that's a green light. You think they wanted to wait to see how Scream did? I think they had to queued up. You think it was ready and they just I think they've been trying to make Beetlejuice 2 for a while. Forever they've been now trying that to it's wait like that. now they've found the perfect replacement for uh Winona Ryder. But so mm-hmm. they're gonna do it. But you feel like Winona And Radio Silence's right. Radio Silence's next project is Escape from New York, so that's gonna be fucking fun. I, I I'm interested to see what they do with that. It's gonna yep. be Escape from New York. I didn't know that. Yeah, they have they've been yeah. working on it, and no one's been able to crack that one. Like lots of folks have taken a uh, a shot at that one. If it's for me, Radio Silence, if you can tag them in this, Jeff, please, after I say it. Um, I, I hope that they're going to go ahead and go with Old Man Snake. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's got to be Old oh, Man Snake. Yeah. You can't recast Snake. It's got to be Kurt Russell now, as he is now, doing once upon, post Once Upon a Time, time in Hollywood work. Old Man yeah. Snake, and maybe he's got young snakes throughout the country. He's been everywhere. Snake, <laughs> snakes probably got kids everywhere. You yeah, know? they could fly on a plane together, and Samuel L. Jackson could pop out. Yeah. <laughs> All these snake pliskins on this motherfucking plane. <laughs> and that's the ultimate crossover. I you, but with, I, the, with, with Melissa Barrera, going back to your like little fantasy casting, what I would love to see... <clears throat> And because it's so up in the air, we don't know what they're going to do with it. We know that they're bringing Wolverine back into Deadpool. I would love to see her take on like a more adult version of Laura of X twenty three. Oh, that's really good. Too. I think that could. I think too. she's got the. Depth. I just think she has a look that is castable into anything right now. Yeah. 
Like uh, she could, because I, I don't think she was that great in the first screen, but this one, she killed it in this one. Yeah. She and now she owns well. screen. She is screen. Yeah. You know? And, and so I think like whatever she does next could be like a huge thing. I think she looks like Wonder Woman. She could want be Wonder Woman. She can totally be Wonder Woman. I they looked uh, the radio silence guys definitely booked this into where they're not going to be one hundred percent trapped by any character, right? They got Jenna Ortega, but like you said, if Jenna Ortega wasn't in it and you just had Melissa Barrera or vice versa, I think it would work. But I think having them as a, a tandem, as a duo, and then in the sisters, and then at the end. When she's like, whoa, that was kind of like Jenna Ortega, like almost like being impressed by the way she took her out and then kind of hinting that she's like, I know you're my sister and I might be okay with your little bit of crazy. I was like, that could be fun. That could be really fun. So. Also, they're believable as sisters. Yeah. No, they're very they're, believable as sisters. They're 100% uh, believable as sisters. Who was yeah, one more one more fan cast that came to mind. Uh, so Mindy, um, I think Savoy Brown is her last name. Um, I'd like to see her as Squirrel Girl. Ooh, <laughs> that was, that's really good booking. Yeah, she's got those she's got those eyes that can just show that kind of excitement. I think she she'd crush it. She's I so mean, dynamic. did you see on SNL they had uh, Jenna Ortega? She was kind of dressed up like Rogue. Oh yes. yeah. I mean, I could be convinced. <laughs> Again, they they're... She's just so over. Can we just hijack this for a minute? How over is Jenna Ortega? Every time I open my phone, it just shoots Jenna Ortega videos at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true, man. All the YouTube shorts I see. Every are like, single Jenna thing Ortega is Jenna Ortega. Jenna Ortega wears a shirt. <laughs> like, look at the last four months of Jenna Ortega's lunch. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. She's broken the algorithms. She's overcome everything. Yeah. I don't know what she's got. I mean, obviously, she has Beetlejuice. She has Wednesday. I think that'll that'll bust the internet next time it comes out. But she can pretty much do whatever she wants. She showed that she can carry a show, and she can carry a film. So, yeah, I think she's going to have offers being thrown at her left and right. Uh, last spot on, on screen. What do you guys want to see? next from do you want this to be a closed end trilogy like another standalone trilogy or do you want them to find a way to just keep it going which is tough well i don't think there's any kind of like scream trilogies anymore because like mike said the first series is four of them yeah you know so i think they're kind of all over the place um honestly if i just i would like to see radio silence continue and just do or something original I loved uh, the idea of Nev Campbell opening scene death. That's great. But now I've already like, you know, said it out loud so it's spoiled. <laughs> but um, just just keep just keep it fresh. Keep do something or do do what you did with this one. I thought I thought it worked really well. Yeah. You know, I don't really need Nev Campbell to come back, but if she does, I'm great with it, you know? Gail dies or she doesn't or comes back or doesn't, it doesn't matter because it's general it's all about Jenna Ortega and the core four. <laughs> that core four was great. B Rose, what do you what do you think? What do you want to see next from what what would you want to see next from Scream? Personally, it's more of just like a, I think it would be fun to see. Um, <clears throat> I almost want to see a bit of like what a, what I'm going to call a dueling ghost face. I want someone who is so ingrained in like the ghost face in terms of like the 
horror movies and murders and all that kind of stuff. But then I also want someone else who's like just a generic serial killer who's not getting the fame and recognition, who just co-ops it to to get that notoriety. And then you've got two of them in it for very different reasons going after each other even. Oh, Ghostface versus Ghostface? That could be good. That could be really good. Mike B, what do you what do you think? What do you want next from Scream? So, I mean, what I expect to happen next is that we get a third movie where there is some unknown familial connection revealed, and then we get a fourth movie where someone tries to take the valor of being the final girl from uh, Melissa Barrera. Because uh, as much as this was a departure, it was still uh, so deeply related to the narrative structure of the earlier screen movies. I expect that's what we're going to get. Um, what I would like to see is uh, distributed ghost faces. I think now that we've had a ghost face in Woodsboro in the series, a ghost face in New York, I'd like to see maybe the core four split up into two different locations. You have maybe two of them, one place to like Chad and Jenna Ortega's character. And then maybe Mindy is there with Melissa Barrera's character. They both are being attacked in different places. And then there's maybe a third place that like Sydney gets attacked in or some whatever insert legacy character there. But I'd like to see them expand the scale of the narrative. Now, it feels like they've expanded the scale of the world in which these stories are taking place by bringing it to the city. That means now there's been ghostface killings in Wordsboro a few times, wherever that college was that Sydney was going to would in LA and in uh, New York. I think that this movie explored the, like the physical past and of these individual characters that were impacted. I'd like this now to get really big because if you want to make this a franchise, I, I I mean, do you call it a franchise if you just create sequels endlessly or <laughs> like, is there something else that is required for that franchise turn where there's spinoffs and like side stories and sub stories that you can build a full world around? Um, like that's my main question, I guess. Yeah, that's a good question. And I did like the way they leaned into now we're talking franchise and that was her, her movie diatribe explaining how franchises work. I would love it if how many stab movies is there? Six? Mm-hmm. I, think, I think they were they're talking about this one. They had there was like a stab eight that everyone was upset. Yeah, about. stab eight. Yeah, stab yeah. eight. So I hope in the next movie it starts with stab nine. And <laughs> right, six. because in stab seven started with stab six. <laughs> in yeah. stab four. So know? it starts with stab nine, but in this one, instead of being like, I think there was one where it's like over the top and the guy has a gold chainsaw. It's just like overly brutal. It's like Terrifier two, but a version of Scream, and he's just hacking people apart, and people are just, uh, just. Uh, you know what I mean? People are just divided over how violent the new stab is. It's like way over the top. And then whatever else happens. <laughs> well, I, I, I think interesting too, going back to what Mike said about the whole cult of Ghostface. So there's, if you haven't seen it, there's a really great show that came out a few years ago and it got three seasons, but it kind of deals with something similar. It was called The Following with Kevin Bacon. Yeah. And part of that is a, a serial killer who's 
developed this cult-like following, but he's in prison, and so he's been training his quote-unquote acolytes to take over for him and kill while he's in prison, So and wearing masks of him of his face and everything. And so I'd almost love to see something like that, where you see like these people who've been radicalized, whether it's through mm-hmm. online or things like 4chan or Reddit or whatnot, they've been radicalized almost in a Riddler-type way from the new Batman. And then I think that would be a great reveal is if we show like, Someone like Stu has been in prison this whole time, kind of like controlling this or has taken over. Yep. Dude, that's exactly what I was going to say. That would be my fantasy book. Is I, I'd, I would want this to tie all the way back to one with Stu and somehow just tying that all back where somehow he was, if he was somehow the, mu- the puppet master pulling the strings, keeping this going, I still, I would still love to see that. And then you it'll, have, I think, that's, I think it's going to happen. I think it'll happen. I mean, they I do too, but I, I just realized as you were saying that, Jeff, we are booking the last movie in the new Star Wars trilogy where Palpatine comes back out of nowhere for no reason. Somehow and... Stu has returned. Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somehow. Stu is the grandfather. <laughs> He's Tara's oh, grandfather. <laughs> That'll be nice because then you have Sam, who's the daughter of, of Skeet Ulrichs, and then you have Tara, who's like the granddaughter of Stu. That's cool. right. <laughs> yeah. Because I want that moment at the end of one of these movies where it's like, Melissa Barrera's character with Billy Loomis behind her as a force ghost and fucking whoever the killer is in that movie with Stu behind them as a force ghost. So that the finale is like Stu force ghost versus Billy and force ghost. The original Gale's, Gale's ghost Dewey as a force as ghost faces. Yeah. Like, we need the Captain America like Civil War type poster where they're all just kind of facing each other from opposite sides. <laughs> we gonna carry on and plan the sequel because let's face it baby. These- these days, you gotta have a sequel.